Welcome to the Penis Project podcast, connecting men through science, stories, solutions, but most of all, through support. This podcast was founded by myself and Dr. Joe Milios, a physiotherapist. To find out more about us, check out our website, thepenisproject.org. I'm Melissa Hadley-Barrett, sexologist and nurse practitioner specialising in men's intimate health. Join me as I break down the barriers surrounding men's health and have candid conversations about everything you've always wanted to know but were too embarrassed to ask. This podcast is dedicated to stories from men who have bravely recognised the importance of sharing their experiences, breaking down stigmas and having no filter chats about sexual health, cancer treatment and recovery, relationships and everything else in between. If you know someone who you think would benefit from this information, please share so we can help more people. We would also love it if you'd follow the podcast and give us a review. Welcome to the Penis Project podcast. Today, we have Lloyd with us. Now, Lloyd is a GP who is very interested in men's health. And I think that all men should have a good GP. And unfortunately, I meet a lot of guys who I say, oh, can I send this letter back of what we're doing to your GP? And they go, oh, I don't have one. And I haven't seen one in years. Um, so that's why I've got Lloyd here today to tell us what men should be having done regularly, when they should start, and why it's important. So welcome. Thank you very much. Pleasure. So tell us tell us that, Lloyd. Tell us about you first. You're a GP and you're particularly interested in men's health. So that's why right. is that? Uh, so yeah, I'm a, I'm a UK trained GP, moved over here to WA uh, about two and a half years ago now with uh, my young family, uh, 16 year old, seven year old and five month old. Um, I'm still a relatively, uh, not inexperienced, it's probably the wrong word at this stage, but a relatively new and enthusiastic and young GP at 34 years old. Um, so I feel I've got a lot of passion still to give and a lot of uh, knowledge still to impart and learn as a GP. Um, and so, yeah, for me, men's health is a real interest, always has been from medical school, probably not touched upon half as much as it should be, mm -hmm. uh, maybe compared to women's health. Um, yeah. And we can talk about that later on in the podcast about how they differ and, and women's health gets talked about so much, men's health less so in my experience, um, not so well taught either in medical school. So yeah, that that was, that's why I've sort of come into the men's health world to try and improve things and, and really had an interest in it. Um, so I've been here, yeah, two and a half years and realized that here over in WA, there's a lot of guys. There's a lot of guys who are maybe neglecting their health. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of uh, stigma and stereotyping and macho guys and, and other types of stereotypes that come with men that I've seen and gone, right, now's my chance to really try and sort of you know, do something about it and follow my interest. Um, and yeah, we, uh, we met through mutual colleagues, I guess, yeah. uh, a couple of months ago now and thought, yeah, let's try and work together somehow to to get these uh, these guys engaged with their health as much as possible. So just um, to tell everybody about, that's a good opportunity to talk about so a colleague of mine who's a urologist and Lloyd and another guy 
are starting a podcast called Tackle Talk, which we'll, think it's we, they, we think it's yeah, called yeah, Tackle yeah, yeah. Talk. They haven't decided yet. <laughs> um, and so that will be really great. And when that is out, I will tell all of the listeners about that. And so I met Lloyd because I was recorded for their podcast when it opens. And I thought it would be a great opportunity because I haven't really had a GP on before just to talk about general health. And so I think that's really important. And I think often when I see guys penis problem is a barometer to something else yeah. going on. Um, and then I have to go, you, you also need to go and fix X, Y, and Z and get checked if something else is happening. So that's great. Thank you for coming yeah, in and no, telling us about this. No, thank you. I think you've, uh, yeah, you've hit the nail on the head there with the whole, I talked about men's health and there's this, again, I think a stereotype of our men's health is just penises, erections, and libido, a bit of testosterone, and actually there is, you know, that 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 needs a whole world in itself, and that's the world you're in. Mm. Um, but there's so much more to men's health, uh, and as you say, the penis is a barometer. Um, and yeah, we we often see these guys with uh, complaints around their penis uh, and erections and all the, you know the stuff that you do day to day, Melissa, and a lot of the time there's underlying causes that uh, I really want to try and address and get hold of and do something about. So, uh, yeah, I think you're spot on there. So tell us, what, what's, how, when should a guy start seeing a GP regularly to talk about his health and, like, start tracking what's going on? Because, like, as a woman, you know, and nowadays women don't have their first pap smear or cervical screen until they're 25, but in my day... You know, you went a year after you started having sex. It was often quite young. Yeah. And that was the opportunity for your doctor to say, hey, you need. when was the last time you had a blood test? How's your yeah. mental health going? And like with men, there isn't really that kind of thing that they need to go for. So when should they start yeah. going? Let's track our health. Yeah, I totally agree. I think if you were to look at, uh, so, so you talk about the pap smear then, which uh, starts in women in their 20s. Um, mm. In men, yeah, the first screening you actually come across is the, especially here in WA, is the uh, colorectal cancer screening at 50. So, yeah. um, you know, so there's a big gap. There's 25 years there that women have got ahead of us guys in terms of making that contact with their GP. So I think it's hard to, to state a specific age. Um I think, I mean, you've had, I see you've had guests on before now in their teens who've, yeah. uh, who've uh, had to come and see you for, um, for health complaints. And so I don't think there's a one size fits all with guys. I think there may be a natural time uh, when guys are becoming fathers, maybe, or thinking about families, that that's maybe the first time they start to think about themselves for the benefit of their children and families, mm -hmm. and that may be in their thirties. Um, but I was, you know, I was a teenager having a child, which we talked about just before we we uh, came on air, so to speak. So, um, I, 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 there's no right and wrong answer here, mm. but I think. The earlier guys can feel comfortable with a GP, uh, the better. Mm. And so trying to keep that regular GP uh, that they've known since their teens, early 20s, I think is a good start. Um, but I don't have a specific age for you, but I'm going to say the earlier the better because if you came to see me, I'd really try and emphasize that good solid contact with me throughout your lifespan would really stand you in good stead. Yeah, and I think 
like from my experience, I think having people have a regular GP early on is good because things like, like I'll see a lot of men who have been right into the gym in their teenage years mm. and they've unfortunately taken steroids yep. that they've bought, you know, from some guy in the gym who sold them. Mm-hmm. And then they won't come and see me until they're 30 and often it's because then they have erectile problems and they've met someone and they're thinking about starting a family. And at no stage before that have they had a conversation with anybody about how that's going to have affected their fertility and their function. And they're really shocked and they might have been taking that for 10 years and be devastated to find out what's happened to their fertility. So I feel like if they had have had regular contact Mm -hmm. with a GP, Mm -hmm. And that GP knew them. They'd noticed that they were suddenly bulking up or... Yeah, that's it. And I think what's important there is you don't necessarily need to go and see your GP for a problem. Just mm. if you have questions, come and see me. Because if, if maybe those guys that you've seen maybe had some questions or some uncertainties in their late teens and 20s, but they didn't have a problem. They, they didn't see an issue. They, did, they had no presentation. They said, oh, that's a bit wrong. Or what's that? that? What's that rash? Why is that looking different? It may just be wanting to know a bit more about, well, actually, I'm taking this product. Uh, what does it do? Tell me a bit more. So um, I'll tell you, actually, coming over from the UK to Australia, I think the Australian health system supports that better than back in the UK. So as a GP in the UK, it was all about problems and tackling problems, um, problem solving as a GP. Whereas I think what Australia does really well well, well, at least better than the UK, is try and encourage preventative health. Um, Seeing your GP not for a problem, but to prevent the problem in the first case. Um, So yeah, get, get, you know, make an appointment with your GP and make a list of questions about anything and everything that you think your GP may be able to answer and make that contact early. And I think that is so responsible. Um, It's very mature. and I would take my hat off to any guy who came to see me and said, listen, I don't actually have a problem, but I actually have a few questions and I just want some facts and someone that I can just at least, yeah, run those questions past. Um, I think that's important. Mm. And I also think, you know, the way, and this is probably a little bit political, but the way the GP land model generally works is that, you know, people try and find a bulk billing GP, they mm. book in for this quick appointment to fix that issue and then that GP doesn't have the time to actually delve into those issues so I think you know finding someone like yourself that yes you might have to pay a gap Mm. but you're going to spend half an hour with them and actually have time to talk to them I think we shouldn't underestimate the value of that 100% I think if you look at barriers to why men don't engage well with with a GP I think you talk about time so guys are busy and I'm not saying that women aren't busy clearly but but guys are busy um they we we easily if we see a if we see a barrier to accessing our GP I think we just say well forget it I'll go somewhere else I'll do something else so I think if you were to look at why don't guys engage with their GP and medical um uh sort of advice uh, day to day, I think yeah, time is an issue. Um, I think that the classic waiting room in a GP surgery doesn't lend itself that well to guys. Um, mm. If you look in most GP surgeries, you're going to see women's magazines. You're going to see lots of posters on the wall about immunizing, uh, immunizing. You know, your your 18 month old, and and for a lot of guys, that's not what they're there to do. I think they get quite put off by that and think actually, where's the poster about 
me in my you know in my in my mid thirties yeah who wants to talk about erections or or whatever it may be so I think that that's just two examples there of why guys find it difficult to uh, to engage and, and as you say um yeah GPS are often seeing forty patients a day and so I totally get it when a guy wants to try and touch on a lot of things you know they not may not see their gp for years and then they do come and see the gp and think actually maybe now's my chance to, to address all these things that have been bugging me and the gp's got eight minutes yeah know, and two minutes to quickly write their notes and get them out and that's a that's not nice and, and unfortunately that's a system yeah issue. and it's not nice for the doctor or the patient 100 percent. and that's why now i've um i've set up my own personal men's health clinic and by that i mean men's whole health you know not not just certain aspects of men's health but i'm trying as a generalist as a gp to deal with the whole of men's health to say right well i'm actually going to look at giving you guys lots of time you know hour two hours three hours over a six month period now what i feel i could do if i could just get hold of some these guys um so to speak and say god right let's really focus on these issues you know look you're, you're pre-diabetic your blood pressure's up a bit your cholesterol's you know grumbling a little bit too high if i could just have that time with these guys i really think i could make a difference and, and that's where my clinic, um, Man Health Clinic, uh, that I've uh, set up here. Uh, I really think that is a way of uh, maybe changing the way men deal with their health here in WA. That's my plan. Yeah, and I think it is. And and um, my mentor, who is a men's health GP as well, and he does the whole health, not yeah. just specialising in yeah, sexual health. But I think other than him, I don't really know any other clinics. Most men's health clinics are specialising in sexual health. Yeah, yeah. And so I think it's great to do that, especially, you know, you're right. Like if they come into the waiting room and there's posters about mm. how, you know, obesity in when you're 20s is going to affect you in the long term or, yeah. you know, maybe how bike getting steroids from some bloke at the gym has got a long term. I've never seen a poster about that. Yeah. But how great if you're a young guy and you're sitting in a doctor's surgery and that was on the wall. That's it, definitely. And that's what I'm really trying to... Yeah, to change and try and make my waiting room quieter. You know, I've got one hour appointments for the first, you know, first appointment. So, you know, there's no pressure. Um, yeah, there, there's loads and loads of things that I think we could do better around men's health. Um, and so, yeah, we'll uh, we'll see see what sort of interest the clinic gets. So let's say I'm a 30-year-old bloke and I go, I listen to the podcast and I go, I'm going to go and see Lloyd and I'm going to say, get him just to give me the check out overall because what I do hear a lot of from that kind of age group of guys is that they've gone to a naturopath or some mm. alternative mm. practice which you know I'm all for that's great yeah but I also think isn't it a shame because I feel like they might go there as their first port of call because their experience mm. with um, general medicine yeah. is that it's a 10 minute in and out and I've got a sore mm. throat or whatever mm. and I think you know, that's a shame because we can do so much in Western medicine if we actually had the time to spend with them. And that's what you'll have in this clinic. Yep. So someone comes in, they're in their 30s, they're seeing you mm -hmm. for their first appointment. What, what would you do? Well, first off, actually, all the, all the work starts before that first appointment, actually. So my plan is to try and get a baseline 10, 15 minutes of these guys sat in their living room watching whatever they may be doing, Netflix or whatever, and actually running through a quick pre-appointment questionnaire. So straight away, when they come to see me, we know that there are some areas that maybe are worrying them, maybe, or that we should be focusing on more than any you know uh, more than other aspects maybe to start with um 
for me, it's it's a system screen. So I would be looking at um, the cardiovascular system, the respiratory system, the urological system, sexual health, uh, bone and muscle health, skin health, hair health. You know, and I I try and systematically review each and every one of those areas, which you know in textbooks that that is brilliant but in a 10 minute appointment it's impossible yeah. so straight away i'd be saying this is that initial whole health approach and if some of those areas aren't relevant yeah we, we won't spend time on that um so a systems review is, is how i'd target that initially and say okay a symptom screen um you know are you getting chest pain are you getting palpitations you know are you getting uh, fainting episodes, feelings if you're about to faint. And if the answer is no to all of those, great, we can move on. But it's just trying to give guys that chance to explore symptoms um, and, yeah, every system. So I think that's how I would start off. So the pre-appointment questionnaires, then the appointments, you'd have an hour. Um, and then we say, right, these are our areas to focus on and uh, blood tests, x-rays cts mris whatever may be needed mm -hmm. and what i will emphasize is i'm you know you talk about western medicine i'm very much an evidence-based gp um i i would not ever request something that didn't need to be requested i wouldn't ever encourage something for other gains other than this is what i think you need so i think that's important uh mm. i would like to emphasize i guess and make it known that there's a pragmatic approach to, mm. to health. You know, there's, people don't have unlimited funds. The health system can't cope with every person having a whole body scan once every no. year. It doesn't work like that. So I'll be pragmatic, realistic. Um, and then, yeah, actually what I would offer then is a, uh, a follow-up at two weeks. Sort of, right, okay, these, these are the areas we've looked at. These are your issues. This is what we've identified that you either have an issue with or may develop in future. And then over a six-month period, we keep contact and really try and make those changes. Mm -hmm. um, and I would love to see that happening annually. So I'd love to see these guys coming back once a year and saying, okay, how are we looking? How's that BMI that was 35? Are we now down to below 30? Um, you know, smoking, weight loss, um, blood pressure, you know, you are in this pre-diabetic category. Can we get you out of that category? And just really trying to set targets and, and make a real management plan with these guys. Um, I think that's what I would love to do. So yeah, and you, that would be the journey. We all know people who are like lived into older age and when you look back and, you yeah. know, think about how they lived their life early. And I know someone's going to be listening going, well, my nana lived to 99 yeah. and she <laughs> smoked and drank a bottle yeah, of scotch yeah, a day. Yeah. But let's face it. The average person who lives to a, like I saw a, a lady I hadn't seen for a long time today and she was telling me her father's 102. Wow, yeah. He still yeah. completely has his wits about him. Yeah. And like I wouldn't have seen him for 30 years. And yeah. the last time I saw him, he was a paramedic. He was jogging on the side of the country yeah. town road every time I saw him, fit as a fiddle. Yeah. And I think I'm not at all surprised he's lived that long because yeah. he had a great lifestyle. Yeah, 100%. I watched a documentary recently. Um, I think it's on Netflix. I don't know. Can we say Netflix? I yeah, think we can. It was about. Uh, I think it was called "How to Live to 100." Or I watched 100. it too. Yeah, with these really blue zones, great. and and you know what? I really, really emphasized or really loved about that was there were no wonder drugs, there was no wonder treatments or surgeries. It was just let's look at your diet, let's look at your social contact, let's look at your mental health, um, and I think yeah, that's that's what I would love to try and 
to try and do from an early stage in, in these guys. So yeah, it's a really interesting one, isn't it? Mm, and I'm assuming as well that you're looking at family history as well. So if someone yep. had something like, you yep. know, prostate cancer or cardiac disease in their family, then you would be able to address that. 100%, yeah. And that would come out either in the pre-appointment questionnaire um, or during the during the appointment. And then, yeah, that would guide me in terms of, okay, what's your realistic risk of developing these conditions in future? Can we sort of gloss over it and say, okay, yeah, that's average risk? Or actually, yeah, if you're at high risk, we can address that now. Mm. Um, have come across diabetes risk calculators uh, cardiovascular risk calculators it's it's all there um we would talk about okay so the 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 standard screening for guys here in wa for bowel cancer starts at 50 standard but there's there are situations where guys should maybe start having bowel screening done in their 40s even Mm. so and that was all dependent on family history and and other risk factors so um yeah i'd look at all that social history drug history um yeah looking at over-the-counter medication herbal medication i'm really just trying to be as thorough as i can without scaring guys either yeah it's 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 a real um i'm a guy myself and i I know what it's like (laughs) um you don't want to be bombarded so it's it'll be um yeah it's it's a two-way thing between me and a and another guy, that's what this is. I think the other thing as well is if you've got a relationship with your GP that is once a year, for instance, yeah. you know, like I know when I was working in general practice, if I saw someone and it had been a year and, you know, you usually when you see their face, you recognize them, yeah. they'd come in and I'd think, well, this is weird. Last year, this lady or man was a bit more upbeat than this. And yeah. so yeah. because you've seen them before, you'll notice a change and you might go, hey, is something going on in your life? Yeah. Because you seem different to you did last time. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. Whereas you never get that opportunity if they're just blow-ins, you know? Like yeah, I think then you couldn't – often people don't want to say that they've been feeling a bit anxious or depressed or they've had some yeah. trauma in their life, but you can see it if you knew who they were. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I think I've spoken to so many guys that, uh, uh, yeah, have seen different doctors. Uh, I would call it sort of firefighting, so dealing with a quick issue, getting it done, moving away. And never seeing that GP for follow-up, sometimes not mm. even checking their you know, their blood tests were okay. Um, so, yeah, the, the phrase, uh, yeah, blow-ins and sort of not having that relationship with a GP is detrimental. Mm. I think guys are disadvantaged by just not having that someone that say, actually, yeah, three months ago or no, a year ago, you were a bit different. Or And what I love about GP land, so to speak, um, is you you start tying things all in. Ah, so you're so-and-so's yes. husband. And ah, so that's your brother-in-law. And ah, right. Ah, he's your son. And then you just, you really get a great grasp of this family. And yeah, it's um, it's one of the reasons I went into to general practice was to have that family aspect to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I must admit, that's the thing I miss the most in yeah. my practice now. Like I love what I do, but I do miss that. Um, idea of going, oh, I also know your kids and your grandkids. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. now I often get to meet their partner, but that's yeah, about yeah, it. Yeah, of course. Um, and, you know, it's, it is really nice to put all of that together. Yeah. It's really rewarding for yeah, yeah. everybody, I think. Definitely. I guess what I'd emphasize there is confidentiality, clearly. Of course, so definitely. A lot of patients have said, you, you actually, uh, you know, I've come to see you. My, um, my, my son sees you and, mm. uh, you know, came highly recommended. And, and I'm, oh, my, my sister's coming to see yeah. you next week. And, 
and you can tell they're, they're semi-delving. Oh, so what did my sister see? What did my son see about? And yeah, clearly confidentiality is a real yes. important thing and uh, professionalism and, and all that. So, but trying to balance that against having a great relationship with your patient, it's, um, yeah, it's a challenge. I think the other thing that's different with men's health and women's health is that as women, you know, if we've had children particularly, we've often like, you know, you've in that nine months of pregnancy, you've mm. really established a relationship with a healthcare provider. So you do keep going back, you know, even if you hadn't had a regular GP before yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. But once, but for a guy, mm. like it's not until you get something seriously wrong with you that you need to keep going back. So you don't get that yes, established that relationship. You don't relationship. get that from a younger, a younger stage in your life. Um, mm. Yeah, I read, I, I showed you this book uh, earlier just before we, uh, again, we came on air by Caitlin Moran called What About Men? I haven't had a chance to read it, as you know yet, but I'm desperate to when my, what feels like mad life uh, allows, <laughs> probably at Christmas, fingers crossed. Um, but uh, in that book, she talks about, so she's a female who's clearly writing about men. Um, and she talks about women going through all these very welcome well known about changes so they are they're a, a young girl and then bang you, you have your period you get pregnant you breastfeed all these changes happening to a woman's body that naturally prompts them to seek advice and read yeah. around and see their gp True. guys don't get that at no. all we don't change until crikey well when when do guys change there's there's some great quotes in this book about guys just want to lift heavy things and, mm. and that's about it and want to keep lifting heavy things all their life whereas women women accept that my body is going to change mm -hmm. um you know and i'm not going to be able to do this anymore and then i will be able to do this and but for guys we just don't have that uh those natural no. stages in our life yeah that's so, so i think true. you're right there with um yeah, why would we go and see somebody? Because, well, nothing's changed. I'm still a guy and I'm still trying to lift heavy things. But it's not until you get to an age where you suddenly can't. Think, oh, wow, okay, this is a real change now. Whereas women maybe get that gradual, visible change. And I think also with men, it often is like really, it seems insignificant at the time. Like, yeah. You know, yeah. you might have been able to do something in your 20s, but mm. it's gone down gradually and it's not until yeah. you're 50 that you notice the change. Yeah, yeah. Whereas with us, it's like, as you said, it's those real points of yeah. I've had a baby, this bit's changed. Yeah, or, yeah. And it always fascinates me because the amount of times I'll see guys come in and say they've got a problem with their erections, but mm. they've obviously had a hip and a knee replacement and they you ask them about it and they go, oh, it just wore out. And I'm yeah, like, oh, yeah, there, yeah. those bits are allowed to wear out, but yeah, your penis isn't. this isn't, yeah. And they're like, oh, I didn't think of that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I think that's a really good chance to, to talk about, uh, yeah, the whole health approach to, uh, you know, the, the penis being the barometer that you've talked about. Yeah, it's, um, you know, how often are these guys, yeah, they've had their knee and hip done. They're now on medication to manage that pain. Um, uh, they are not as active as they are maybe were they've put on a bit of weight and all these changes happening that they're not seeing they mm. just see as i had, I had my, my hip done actually now you had your hip done you've gained 10 kilos because you can't exercise as much you're taking painkillers that are uh, reducing your libido or mm -hmm. uh, affecting your mood and then yeah the barometer here is actually now i've got erectile dysfunction um so i think uh, yeah like you recognize probably day in day out in your clinic there are so many other issues to address, not just 
yeah, the erectile dysfunction here. Well, actually, when was the last time you checked your blood pressure? And oh, what medication are you taking? And that's where I hope to, yeah, to, yeah, to be able to do my bit for and, your patients, you know. And, and that's so. the bit that I say and then go, when did you last see a GP? Oh, I don't have one. I'm yeah. like, well, you need one. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Go yeah. and get one. Yeah, and yeah. I'm going to write to that person yeah. and say, hey, can you check all this other stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's guy. it. And you're not the first person to say that. Um, uh, our mutual colleague, Andrew, who uh, who's a urologist, mm. he has exactly the same conversations around, yeah, okay, you are getting up three, four times a night. And yes, it could well be your enlarged prostate but how on what about you know what, what's your alcohol intake like every evening or are you actually waking up to pee or are you waking up and then thinking oh well i'm awake i need to pee. i'll just go for a pee yeah. and actually they're waking up because their mental health is not you know they, they may be stressed they're anxious maybe they're waking up not knowing why they're waking up but you suddenly realize how oh, you've probably got sleep apnea and that's why you're waking yourself up so medicine's complicated um it's fascinating, uh, but it just shows how one thing, one issue needs a whole wider approach, not yeah. just deal with the problem and yeah, brush under the carpet, move on. I think that's what guys do wrongly, isn't it? Is they, they'll see a GP. We, we, I, like I said earlier, we call it firefighting. So you quickly put that fire out. Actually, there's an inferno going on behind. So um, yeah, it's, uh, it's complicated and that's the beauty of medicine. And so, also, I mean, like all GPs in your practice, you'll be, you know, if you had gone through all of those things, worked out the lifestyle issues, what you can do, then you'll refer them on, obviously, to specialists. So if you went, yeah, there actually is a problem with your prostate, I'll no. send you off to the urologist yep. or, you know, um, we've made sure that your ED is not related to your cardiovascular health or we've we've sorted that out, yeah. but now it's a bit more bit more just about that i'll send you off to x y and z yeah 100 you know so i'm not i'm not claiming to be a miracle worker and an expert in everything men's health at all that's why i'm a, I'm a yeah. generalist um i like to think that i know a little about a lot um and hopefully by the end of my career a lot about a lot but um yeah so i think you need both specialists and generalists here mm, um definitely it's yeah, hundred percent. I, I know I, when I was working as a remote area nurse, I used to say, "I feel like a jack of all trades and a master of none." Yes, yeah, and yeah. the thing I've loved about specialising in this area is that I feel like, and I'm certainly not a master yet, but I have a lot to yeah. learn. But I feel like I'm becoming more masterful. Yes, and yeah, because it. I have the opportunity now to really concentrate on one area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I guess I'm going that way, aren't I? By yes. saying, "Oh, well, yeah, men's health." Um, exactly. But yeah, I'm, I'm eliminating 50% of the population by, <laughs> by saying, oh, I'm, I'm mental. Obviously, I'm a generalist four days a week. I work mm. as a GP, so I'm not de-skilling and I'm really trying my best not to do that. But who knows? Yeah, in 10, 15 years, that might be the case. But um, I think what one thing that maybe is very novel with my approach, so very new and, and uh, thinking outside the box, is this two-way process between specialists and GPs. Mm -hmm. So... I may be shot down here by specialists and and powers that be in WA. I'm, who knows? I, I don't Say know enough anyway. about the system yet. We're yeah, not but, the ABC. It's okay. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. So, um, I uh, you know at the moment you have to go and see your GP to get a referral to go and see a specialist. Um, actually, what I would love to do and what I'm trying to encourage now and uh, is is actually getting specialists to refer to me. You mm -hmm. know, so this two way process. Yeah, so right. saying right, well, I'm a, I'm a specialist. I've dealt with 
X, Y, and Z. I don't have the time or the knowledge, you know, um, with all due respect, to deal with all the other issues that I've recognized in this patient. Uh, please, can you address those issues? So, um, by all means, yeah. So, what I'd like to encourage is, special, is a specialist saying to me, this is what I've dealt with, but I've also recognized number one, number two, and number three issue. And this is where I say, yeah, great, come and see me for a couple of years and we'll address these and we can work in partnership with your specialist. So it doesn't become, oh, my specialist deals with this bit and my other specialist deals with that bit. Well, who's overseeing it? So um, Yeah, so you'll yeah. kind of end up being the cog and then yeah. the wheels will go around yeah, yeah. that. Which is what a GP is. Yeah, you know, which I'm, is I'm fantastic. Not to, I'm not trying yeah. to talk about cogs. I'm not trying to reinvent the wheel no. at all. Um, uh, and I was... I'll say this now, I was very conscious when I set up this clinic about not stepping on the toes of other GPs. That's not, mm. that's really not what I'm trying to do. I'm just trying to make a GP environment for a guy that's comfortable, that's accessible, that's flexible, which I'm sure other GPs wouldn't mind me saying this. Other GP surgeries maybe aren't. Um, so I'm not trying to say, oh yeah, yeah, I want to be the GP for every bloke in WA. That's, mm. that's not what I'm saying at all. Um, there's a role for GPs who maybe only have 10 minutes. Yes, well, definitely. You know, 100% there are roles for, for that type of GP. I'm currently one uh, and I do that day <laughs> in day out and it frustrates me. But there's also roles for GPs who can say, yeah, do you know what? I'm only going to see four patients this morning, but I'm really going to get to know those patients and address all these issues. That's my passion. Yeah. Yeah, I think I, I completely identify that because having worked as a nurse practitioner in general practice for mm. like nine years, um, I used to sometimes go home at the end of the day and think, oh, I wish I had time to ask patient X about that. Yeah. But I knew I didn't because yeah. there were another 17 people coming yeah. in that day. Yeah. And then I felt frustrated yeah. and I'd be like, you know, and that's really the thing I love most about my job now is that I know I have the time. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Totally agree with that. Yeah, we'll see how my uh, clinic goes. Well, I really hope it goes really, really well. And I also just wanted to briefly touch on the fact, like you said at the beginning that, you know, you're a young GP at, you know, in your yeah. mid-30s, but you actually also have a lot of life experience. I mean, you were telling me yeah. you've had a child in every decade for the last three, three, three decades. decades. Yeah, I mean, that right. means that, you know, you've basically had a baby in three different generations yes it's it's mad so i've not <laughs> known adult life without a child so I, i've always known adult life as a father and, mm -hmm. uh yeah that's that's a, a, a different way of looking at life in in general in, yeah. in general you know i've never been able to just focus on myself um i'm not saying that's right or wrong well obviously but um yeah so i i left school officially at 16 back in wales in in the uk uh, and I was a so I was a, a soccer player, footballer, as I would say, from the age of nine with a um, Cardiff City Football Club, who are a top flight uh, soccer team. So I was in an academy system from the age of nine, so very disciplined, loads of training, four times a week. And then I got to 16 and I was offered full-time contract uh, mm -hmm. terms then. So I left school at 16, but um, had very supportive parents who said to me, yeah, we, you know, we'll let you at, at 16. Um, but you've got to study. You've got to get some qualifications beyond sort of 
maybe baseline qualifications. So I did my ATAR equivalents in the UK. Yeah. Eight hours a week, I, I left the club. So I, I wouldn't train. I'd actually go back to my old school. I had a great headmaster. Um, I do eight hours of study and then, yeah, back in training full time. Wow. Um, and I was being paid for that. So it was a, it was a real odd one. I was a, I was a student. I was, you know, I was one of the lads at, it, for eight hours a week in school. <laughs> and the rest of the time you were a professional time, football player. Yeah, footballer. <laughs> and, and yeah, um, trying to for, you know, forge out this career. Then um, my son came along. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, in the space of a week at, at the age of 18. So uh, I met my wife in school. We're now happily married five years, but been together more than we haven't been together in our lives. Yeah. Um, it's another way of looking at it. And uh, yeah, so in the space of a week, I had to do my ATAR equivalent exams, uh, which were in themselves stressful. I was then released by the club. So I was told, sorry, there's there's no contract here for you now. You're 18 and, and sorry, mm. you know, you're not good enough. Um, and at the same time, my now wife told me she was pregnant. Oh, so I, I remember the week um, I was upset. I, <laughs> I cried. Um, and yeah, that was like, wow, okay, now my life's really going in a different direction. Uh, and yeah, I then went to university. I made a what I think now is a very sensible decision uh, to to say, do you know what, I'm not going to try and find a new club, which a lot of my colleagues at the time were doing. A lot of my mates mm-hmm. have gone on to do big, big things and now Welsh internationals and playing in Juventus and Real Madrid and Arsenal, all these mm-hmm. names uh, that I'm still in contact with to some extent. Um, yeah, and I went a completely different route. So I went to medical school, basically. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, did my medical school with a with a newborn and, and went through that way. Um, yeah, so that, that took me up to about 25, 26, graduated, then had uh, another child that was, <laughs> uh, I hope my son who's 16 wouldn't mind me saying, this child was planned uh, at the <laughs> okay. age of seven, she's now seven. Um, but she, she has her own unique challenges, bless her. So she's got quite a rare genetic uh, disorder. And she keeps me busy in a yes. completely different way to my 16-year-old. And uh, I now have a five-month-old. We now have a five-month-old as well. So, yeah, we had a child in the 2000s, in the 2010s, and now the 2020s. And I think we're done. Wow. Yeah. So, yes. Uh, and But, you know, I think life experience also does make people better health professionals. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to think so. Um, yeah, I, I think I, I had that, however... I, I haven't experienced maybe some of those things that guys in their 20s True. stereotypically yeah. have done, but yeah. I'm, I'm open-minded. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and yeah, I've, a lot of my mates still, they made up for what I didn't do. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I'm still, uh, still a pre- I'd like to think a pretty approachable uh, guy who's, yeah, just happens to have a medical degree and knows a little bit about health and medicine. But um, yeah. Hopefully, just somebody who's uh, who's able to start engaging fellow men with their health, like yeah. I've started to yeah. need to do. I, um, I tell a story at the moment of um, I don't know when I saw you last, but I've I've lost twelve kilos since uh, maybe three months ago. Wow! And you know what did it for me was uh, I had two fillings at the age of thirteen, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, had no issues ever since. Uh, so now, what is it? Eighteen years later, or whatever it is, I I broke two fillings in the space of a week so i thought okay something's you know something's changed there what's going on oh yeah well i'm probably i'm having a can of coke every evening I, you know I'll, 
I'm zipping off to the petrol station to uh, to get a can of Coke on my way home for the journey. Yeah, I'm probably having a bar of chocolate, watching TV in the evenings. <laughs> um, and, and all these little things. I thought, yeah, do you know what? Something, maybe this this is that warning sign, maybe. Mm. Um, but for me, I... I uh, I had to get both fillings fixed and uh, had to take two days off work. So I missed out on wages. And it's funny what kicks you into action. Yes. So uh, for me, yeah, it was it was suddenly thinking, crikey, I'm two days down in work here. I haven't been paid for two days and I can't do <laughs> This can't happen again. So mm. um, and whatever it is, I'm you know at 30, okay, it's two teeth that I've yeah. fixed pretty easily. But in my 40s, it might be, uh, might be my heart. Uh, and in, in my 50s, it might be catastrophics you know mm. you know within reason so yeah it's funny it's funny how uh and so you're just cutting out the coke and the chocolate bar you lost 12 kilos uh, yeah basically and yeah honestly it's, it's pretty amazing isn't yeah, it how something but you know you think about that a coke and a chocolate bar most days is probably a thousand calories like it's a yeah. big chunk in your yeah, yeah. in your daily intake yeah. and it's all about habits for me so i see that as okay I've, i if i'm not having that I don't know, it's a it's a mindset. That's mm. the way I would say it. So I'm not only not eating that. I'm then thinking actually, yeah, I'm I'm doing well today. My calorie, you know, I'm I'm in a slight calorie deficit. I'll, I'll go for a run, and so it one thing leads to another. And so, yeah. um, just like lots of other guys, I'm sure out there, you know, you go through stages in your life where you're really motivated and things are great, and then you hit a bit of a hurdle, a challenge, whether that be related to family, job, kids. You know, you're only as happy as your unhappiest yes. child goes the saying <laughs> so um yeah it's it's funny and uh, how guys minds work so uh, i often meet men who have come in for some sort of sexual dysfunction problem and 12 months down the track they'll go it's so strange but the beginning of that i'm now thinner i have more yeah. energy yeah, yeah, yeah. because you know they've come in and i've said you know if every 16 kilos of weight you lose off the air you're gonna get a bigger penis yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah. You know, blah, blah, blah. And these things, if we get your blood sugar level down and we yeah. reduce your cholesterol intake, they're all yeah. going to make a difference. So they change all of that yeah. and because their driving force is their sexual function. Yeah. But then 12 months later, they're like, I feel so Actually, much better. Yeah, and yeah. I didn't know how bad I felt yeah, yeah. until I felt 100%. better. 100%. It's finding that driving force. And for me, yeah, it's broken teeth. You know, but yeah. For other guys, it could be a, uh, an event that's happened to a friend. It could be a family history that's well, suddenly... For you, it's them. clearly not um, sexual function problems since you've got all these children in different decades. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, very true. <laughs> but... Um, but who knows what the future holds. That's right. um, so, yeah, for me, yeah, it's my teeth. For other guys, it's something else. So yeah. um, it's just about finding that and finding the time to address that. And, yeah. and so, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's me and my story. Well, thank you so much today for coming in, Lloyd, and talking okay. about what what we should be doing for men. And if anybody wants to find out any more information about man health, then there will definitely be the link in my show notes so you can have a look there um, and just in case you want to check it out now before going to the show notes it's manhealth.com.au so thanks very much thank you pleasure i hope you enjoyed today's episode as a thank you for being a part of our podcast community i have an exclusive subscriber offer for you if you would like assistance with your sexual health and you'd like to work with me then please head over to www.melissahadleybarrett.com forward slash programs and use the code TPP5 at the checkout. Here you will find everything you need to know to be on the path to penile perfection.
Thank you for listening to today's episode of The Penis Project. If you're enjoying this podcast, I would love it if you could leave a review and subscribe for regular updates. Your support plays a big role in spreading awareness and helping more men to access this information. The more followers we have, the more podcast platforms that recommend our show to others. This might be just the place where your friend, brother, neighbour with lingering questions finally discovers the answers. Stay connected with me on social media and join the Melissa Hadley Barrett email list for news about upcoming podcast episodes, blogs and lots more. If you have a personal story that you'd like to share or you're a health professional working in this field, I would love to hear from you. If you'd like to be a guest on the podcast or a listener with specific topics you'd like us to cover, please send me an email at admin at melissahadleybarrett.com. Thanks again for being a part of the Penis Project podcast community. And until next time, take care.